Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm your host, Trevor Cummings, and the author of the Tom blog. Here on our audio version of the blog, we like to provide some insight to what we wrote about this week. So today we're going to be talking about the article called Getting Schooled. So you already know this, but I'm going to tell you, in 2020, most of the media is going to be about the election. You're going to be hearing about the candidates, their platform, and everything involved with the election in 2020. We already know that our country has uh, has has been kind of polarized with with beliefs and systems and and kind of what we think is right and um, opinions have have been definitely right out front and different social media sources have allowed that. I know. Uh, Man, I see some people on, on my social media that uh, that's all they talk about is politics. So we're going to get a lot of it in 2020. Uh, one of the subject items I mentioned in this article that we're going to hear a lot about is college debt. I just did some quick research and looking at how much the U.S. Department of Education had lent out. And they're big numbers. They had 43 million borrowers. And there was a total of $1.4 trillion outstanding debt. I'm going to tell you right now, it's really hard when we use numbers in the trillions to kind of conceptualize that and, and, and what that means, but uh, maybe you can just trust me, and uh, that is a lot of money. So what's the reason for this? Why is there so much college debt? Well, one of the things that we talk about in the article is that the cost of tuition is growing, and it's growing a lot faster than anything else. I would encourage you to go to the website and to look at the blog because there's a really good chart in there that shows CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and it compares different pieces or, or, or expenses that we might have in our everyday life and, and kind of how those have grown. This chart is specifically grabbing from 96 to 2016, so kind of a 20-year capture, and basically college tuition and textbooks have increased by about 200%. In that same time period, I think it's funny to compare the opposite side, uh, televisions have decreased in cost by negative 96%. And I know this because you can go to Costco and you can get a 70-plus inch TV for very cheap. Um, and we think about you know, 15, 20 years ago, how much did that cost? How much did that cost relative to our paycheck? So all this to say is tuition, is it fair to say? Yeah, it's outrageously expensive. It's very expensive for someone to go to college. Now, why is it expensive? I would encourage you to read, David wrote an article on the National Review, and it was about should college be free? Because that's a conversation in politics right now. And one of the points that he makes, which I think is a really good point, is that uh, you see the inflation of college expenses because there's really loose and easy lending policies. It's not very hard to go out and get a student loan. And if we want to make that simple to understand and kind of relevant, think about what happened in 2008. Uh, we had a financial crisis, right? Most of that crisis was around what? It was around real estate. And if you look, what, what was the, the problem with real estate? Why was it bubbling? Why, was, why were the prices going up so much? Because there was really easy lending standards. Anybody could say that they make X amount, they don't have to prove it, and they could buy two, three, four houses. That was what we saw in the, during the financial crisis. And there's, there's a similarity there when it comes to education. Because it's so easy to borrow, it means that prices have the freedom to go wherever they want because there's always someone willing to pay for them and there's always somebody willing to lend money. In this example I'm giving, the government's lending a lot of that money. As we said, that's $1.4 trillion in outstanding debt. So these can be frustrating things to understand um, what's the right thing to do, how does this all work. So I wanted to present a solution for you on what you can do for your kids or your grandkids to help them avoid this idea of having this really burdensome debt on them. So uh, one thing I talked about in the article was this idea of the, the planning process. What, what I'm talking about is each year, I'm using myself as an example, my wife and I, we look at our finances 
and we get an idea, okay, in 2020, how much do we plan to spend? We look over the things that we've you know, historically spent on, kind of get a number. We look at, okay, what's the projected income for this year? Um, we've prioritized creating a lifestyle where we make more money than we spend, as I would encourage everybody should. So when you have that type of lifestyle, there's going to be a surplus, right? You're going to make more money than you spend. And whatever that leftover amount is, you're going to have to allocate that. You're going to decide what you want to do with that. So for my wife and I, when we talk about our financial goals, the things that uh, come to mind that are priorities are things like retirement, charity, and education. So education, I mean, like paying for our son's college uh, and, and future expenses if he goes to private school or, or whatever it might be. So once we establish that those are the goals, those are the things that are important to us, what we need to do is we need to take those leftovers and we need to allocate them to the type of accounts that will create the most tax efficient growth from now to when we want to achieve that goal. Retirement for me is not tomorrow. So I'm going to take from today to whenever retirement is or uh, for my son's college from today to when he needs to go to college. And by picking out the right account, we're going to be able to do that in the most tax efficient way. And I, I highlight this in the article. Basically, hey, for retirement, it's pretty easy. We use like deferral programs like 401k plans, things like that. For charity, we've talked about it on Tom before. We use a donor advised fund. We, we really like that. It's like creating our own little charity. And then for education, we use 529 plans. 529 plans are pretty simple. I would say they're not often talked about, and there's a huge tax benefit to be had, right? So like I said, um, if we watch politics, we're going to hear all these different ideas of what people could do to create affordable college or how it could be paid for, this, that, and the other. I don't want you to rely on any of those policies going through or them being around in X amount of years when your loved one, your child is ready for college or your grandchild. So here's another solution. Let's just open a 529 plan. The great thing about 529 plans is this is how they work. You can put money into the 529 plan. The money inside there, it's invested, right? It grows tax-free. So year to year, you're not paying taxes on that growth or any, anything like that. Then when you're ready to use it for education, what you can do is you can take a withdrawal from the account. If it's a qualified education expense, you can go spend it on that education expense, and it's not a taxable event. So what ends up happening is if you use it the right way, you have contributions over a certain period of time, and then you have the growth. What we know because of how compounding interest works, and I include a chart for this, I, I showed, hey, over 18 years, if someone was putting $400 a month into an account, what would it look like if it was growing at 7% per year? What ended up happening at the end of that time period, those 18 years that I chose for that example, it was worth about 175000 90000 of that 175000 was growth. So that's tax-free growth that you can use for college expenses. Uh, for some states, and you want to look into this or talk to your advisor, you can use it for K-12 through and private school and things like that. So if we conceptualize that, right, somebody was setting aside $400 a month over an 18-year period, $175,000, at least in today, that's going to cover probably multiple children's uh, college expenses. So we, we start to understand that there's a huge benefit when it comes to time, that if we can start saving earlier, we're going to have a greater benefit in the long run. Now, just some of the mechanics, because I think it's helpful to talk about. With a 529, you usually don't want to contribute more than um, what's called the gift tax exclusion. So the IRS basically says you can gift anybody $15,000 per year for, for 2020, and it didn't show up on taxes or it doesn't uh, go against your, your lifetime gifting or anything of that nature. So for somebody like my wife and I, 15000 each, we were able to put $30,000 into a 529 plan if we'd like. There's also something called what we in the industry, we call it super funding. Um, there's a little bit of a, a piece in the tax code that says if you'd like to, 
you can actually fund up to five years up front into a 529 plan. So you can take that 30000 I just talked about that my wife and I can contribute. You can multiply that by five, and you could say uh, you can actually do 150000 all in, in one contribution within that gift tax exclusion. If you do do that, just remember to connect with your CPA because there is a it's called form 709 you have to do that for each of the five years if you're if you're front loading it so and again i'll encourage you to talk to your advisor about the the mechanical pieces and, and how that works like like i mentioned the article there's also some states that offer a, a tax deduction for contributions and those are all things that you should look into the kind of the moral of this story is saying the way investing works it, it, it offers the greatest benefit for the most patient saver if I know that I have these goals in the future, and let's say, and I'm making this up, but again, just go with me. Let's say that I want to retire in 30 years, or let's say I have a child that's going to need college in 18 years, or let's say I'm thinking about, hey, what will medical expenses look like when I retire? So maybe that's in 30 years. In order to create the greatest amount in the future, if I start saving towards those things now, I'm going to take advantage of those compounding benefits. And that, that was one of the points I was trying to make. And the, and the chart kind of expresses that is that, hey, or, you know, approximately for this 18 year period, for these assumptions we made, a, a, about half of the account value was completely from growth. And it's because you're putting a little bit in over a long period of time. Uh, what I want to close out with is for, this is also a great idea for grandparents. I think naturally we think, oh, you know, if, you know, maybe my kids are are 20 years old, or maybe they're older, maybe they're they're they're, they're adult children, and it's too late for me to even think about a 529. Not at all. I think grandparents have, have a great opportunity to set aside uh, money into a 529 plan for grandkids, and I think it's something that will um, bring you great value. I know for myself, I paid my own way through college, and it was tough. I think it definitely built some some ideas of work ethic and perseverance and things of that nature. But man, it would have been a big blessing if I if I had some help too. I think it would have given me a little bit more freedom on choosing which school I wanted to go to and also what classes I wanted to take because I was working full time. So I would encourage grandparents to think about this because here's my theory and what I see a lot. Um, it might not apply to your situation, but hear me out. Um, a lot of people are going to work really hard. They're going to save a lot of money. And the way that they're going to do their financial planning, they're going to give themselves they're going to give themselves a, a, a nest egg that will more than cover their lifetime. Because we're not building a financial plan where we want to bounce our last check before we leave the planet Earth. So because of that reason, there's a good chance if you've done that planning that you're going to leave a healthy amount of money to your heirs. My encouragement at looking at something like a 529 is that it's going to allow you to set aside that money that they're they're going to inherit in the future anyway, and you can uh, earmark it for something specifically you care about, like education. Uh, additionally, if you want to fast forward in the future, you're going to see that grandchild walk the stage for high school graduation. You're going to see them look at all the pamphlets of kind of where they want to go to college. You're going to see them go off to college. Man, what a great feeling if you're able to financially support that and see that during your lifetime rather than just kind of leaving this lump sum uh, when your tour duty here on, on Earth is done. So that's my encouragement. I think it's a, a great plan for grandparents. I think um, it, it's something that we often think about for parents doing for their kids. But man, what a blessing for, for grandparents to participate as well.
So as we ramp up and prepare for the 2020 election and all these conversations about student debt, I would encourage you to start saving now for your loved ones and uh, look into getting a 529 plan. It's a great conversation starter to have with your advisor. I'm sure at the beginning of the year, you're going to do a lot of 2020 planning and you should ask the question, is a 529 plan right for you and your family? I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Um, I'd encourage you to leave a comment and uh, rate the podcast. We really appreciate you listening um, and we will be back next Next week with more. This is Tom signing off. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk. There's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.